This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Today we have a brand new case study with Nikhil Katara and Himali Kothari, Readings in the Shed. Nikhil is a writer and a founder and artistic director of Readings in the Shed and Himali is a creative director there. when she is not writing she is talking about it in a creative writing workshops at zvs institute of communication mumbai and obviously we'll know more about them in the conversation i am so honored to have them on the show welcome himali welcome nikhil to audio gang hi gan. hi kedar good to be here thank you for having us thank you, awesome. you kedar yeah so yeah i mean this is a case study i generally have three formats uh, audio gan interviews audio gan case study and audio gan biographies case study is generally going deep uh, into one subject or a particular project and i wanted to understand how the journey of readings in the shed has been and document some of the nuances so that's about it and and i've come up with few questions hope they are worth your time as well <laughs> i'm sure they will be cool cool so i'll i'll start with the most uh, basic like basic question what what is readings in the shed uh, just to set context and set the ball rolling and and why are you doing it uh, what's the motivation what's the back story like uh, nikhil you want to go first thank you kedar for the question it's uh, so basically we were a group of people who used to read together essentially a group of people who'd come together and for the last few years we've been reading together and uh, at one point of time when himali also joined in and our group became a little bigger we started to think that where should we read and at that point of time we went and started performing our readings literally performing our readings in a place called the shed this was in one remote corner of varsova and since we were reading in there it was called readings in the shed quite literally and uh, then later in life we realized that we can't localize ourselves because the dramatic structure in this city is such that it's no space becomes exclusive to a performative space so the shared kind of became an ephemeral kind of quality to it and uh, anywhere we could go and create a shed uh, essentially that's how it started and uh, more and more people joined in you know it's like the caravan grew bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, very interesting people very knowledgeable people very uh, people very modest people uh, and it's humbling to be in their presence to just listen to the words that they have to say and uh, it's been about 3 years and it's been the most meaningful 3 years of my life i can say personally mm-hmm. uh it's a very valuable journey that we've had and i've had a great privilege and to have the partnership of himali who who's, who who conceptualizes who uh, we work together in creating multiple episodes of different readings and performances uh in different sheds Essentially, that's in brief what the shed is all about. If Mali, you want to add something that I've missed, please go ahead. No, I think that's it. You know, so basically, as far as the creation part of it is concerned, that is, uh, you know, that is what Nikhil and I do together. We bring the, we work together. Him as a director and also a writer, and me largely as writer. And we come together. We create these episodes, and we perform. We get. you know engaged theater artists to come and perform them um and we have an audience of readers that is very simply what the concept is uh it's something which started in living rooms we used to read at home all of us sit together open a book open a play read and that's something nikhil and a couple of other friends started and it just blossomed into something which could be seen which could be viewed and which we could present to an audience so that is that is what how the shed developed mm-hmm. and i don't think i could have put the concept of the shed more beautifully than nikhil what nick what nikhil just said so mm-hmm. yeah but was there any starting point that you started off with these books or these plays or or this type of literature we didn't necessarily plan on you know it's like it just happened to be one day that one of our readers said guys you have so many books and plays and you know like we've been reading for a decade now together so essentially so many different and we not necessarily read only plays 
essentially as theatre artists, we read all forms of literature. We read poems, we read graphic novels, we read, uh, we've read magazine articles, essentially journalistic articles, and we found performance potential in almost every body of literature. It just needs a little treatment. That's mm. how the entire journey started. Actually, one of the first things that we'd ever done was a play. But after that, not much has been a play. Mm. It turns out to be a performance which looks theatrical, but it is not exactly a play. Mali, you want to add something to yeah, this? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, exactly. Like we did a play and I, I don't know if we've done any other plays after that. So they may, like he said, you know, uh, what we've tried to do is make anything that we are doing look visually engaging sound mm. visually sound engaging so when when we talk about treating text it's about treating text to look make it look performative you could start from a blog you could start with a short story you could start with a like he said you know like nikhil said you could start with a newspaper article um we've started with speeches we've started with speeches and presented them as a performance um and when something becomes a performance and is played out on stage i guess it takes the role of a play whether yeah. it is one or not you know so that is i think that is what we always aim to do i think we both uh, come from a school of belief that any information needs to be engaging before it becomes informative you know and when something is engaging it becomes informative automatically because an engaging thing stays with you correct it doesn't leave you so it's always like okay we read this we find it interesting how do we present it in an interesting manner so that it stays with people and that that was the goal mm-hmm. and the text is you know all text lends it to this concept yeah yeah anyway. in fact correct me if i'm wrong mali a lot of the stuff that we perform is actually letters a lot are letters yeah. and i find it fascinating uh, how much of the voice of people comes out in the form of an intimate communication in the form of letters yeah uh, it's beautiful and uh, much of our performances are have stemmed from letters written personally between people mm. yeah yeah in fact i was going to ask you what any any dominant because i before the pandemic i had gone to listen to atul pethe uh, at ncp and he was uh, narrating this book kimaya i think it's an architect uh, who has written the book it's a short book of 48 pages uh, 48 50 pages but uh, i had never seen such kind of performance in my life i mean you were just reading the book but it felt as if it was like a complete play uh, so possibly who's listening to this kind of uh, conversation for the first time uh, you want to give some examples how does it pan out or how does it sound or what sort of treatment you give to letters or 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 letters between say even tagore and gandhi can those be narrated anything that you can share about kedar i think you just you gave us a good idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i recently heard a podcast where uh, the entire conversation was happening so i thought i'll just quote <laughs> no. them of course so actually when you just said when you just spoke about the performance you saw no nikhil i was reminded of uh, the chimamanda and adichie adichie book that kaila desuza performed for us at goite and uh, it was again it's it's a book of it's actually it's titled something as it sounds as dull as a manifesto you know so the word in the book the title of the book is uh, you know has the word manifesto in it so you would think how do you perform a manifesto it sounds so like drab but it was so engaging and it was just her sitting in a circle of an audience you know sitting in the middle of the circle moving a little here a little there she wasn't doing any kind of song and dance or anything there was a little play of light and it was just voice and the richness of the text what the artist did what kaila did with the voice and what the richness of the text already was and that is enough you know so when you spoke about the performance so that was the first thing which came to mind i'll let nikhil tell you about what we've done with letters um, I I know he loves them. Essentially, uh, Kedar, we've done love letters on fourteenth of February every year, okay. uh, almost. For, so it, it started off very like like a whimsical idea of what if we found letters of people of importance, you know, specifically people of importance like scientists, you know, like people of importance like, uh, Politician. like politicians, yeah, like politicians, and how do they sound like? 
this was an experiment of some sort and in some strange sense i had this conversation with himali 3 years ago and ncpa had asked us whether you'd like to perform something and 14th of february was coming it's an essentially romantic day so we started looking for letters and kedar the letters have not ended there's been so many letters we found mm-hmm. on a yearly basis we perform those letters and still there is so much left you know i feel we can go on for centuries we found letters by albert einstein we found letters of love by marie curie we found letters of love by uh, the us president uh, remind me is it ha and scandalous letters like scandalous passionate extremely beautifully written letters pining man i have i would even if i tend to kind of imagine some writer writing this it might not be as authentic as probably these people in what circumstances they wrote like one letter i remember was by marie curie which she wrote on the day or around about the day when she was going to win the second nobel prize and the circumstances uh, that that uh, kind of developed around it was fascinating it was not hers it was not a very um, happily ever after love story she was in love with a married man who had children and uh, she so you know we know her as the woman who you know uh, as a scientist like nikhil says and a two time nobel prize winner and uh, she was she, she was you know about uh, she had been declared the second time winner and she wrote to the man she loved and instructing him on how he should behave with his wife you know oh. so playing the very stereotypical almost <laughs> character of you know a jealous lover <laughs> you know who couldn't bear the thought of the fact that the guy she was in love with was with somebody else so it's so strange no to bring those two personalities together when you read them they all sound like they are a house of multiple personalities you know like you think of albert einstein and you have this thing in mind and then you read his letters which were signs of like signs of by saying your johnny boy you know and you just think <laughs> okay which albert einstein is this <laughs> so stuff like that yeah so that was letters i mean we've done a lot of stuff around see i mean fun and jokes of course it's you know you want to make everything interesting of course but i think we've also tried to bring in a lot of meaning into the things which we do we you know we understand that fun need not be flimsy so there's always a effort to bring in meaning into our performances we've done shows to highlight things so for instance uh, june 21st is refugee day world refugee day so on june 2019 we did a chapter on refugees and you know we got blogs by refugee children you know and we brought them to the public eye we've done shows on climate change you know we've done that i mean as we go on we'll tell you a bit more about it but what i'm trying to say is that besides you know of course these are all fun these have also been fun so the whole idea being that how do you make this relevant to the audience how do you entertain them but at the same time also make it clear that look these are things which we need to discuss and need to be aware of you know so well, like we took the refugee uh, chapter to a school as well uh, to a school in south bombay for the students of grade 8 9 10 and that was a wonderful experience because this is a group of privileged children from a south bombay school and for them to be aware of the fact that there are many others maybe of their age who don't have anything close to these kind of privileges yeah. so yeah it i think it works both ways beautiful so i have lot of questions around it but just to come to the next one was uh, like in at least my exposure has been katha kathan and baithak and i think there's something called as also abhivachan so these are some forms which are which i at least know exist in the theater world but um, and again my limited exposure to india but is it like a format which is practiced globally or or what is this format called does it naturally fit in this or it's a separate genre of reading altogether so to answer that question uh kedar uh, it is a performance in its own right it's a full fledged performance 
we had all elements we had costume we had uh, makeup to a limited extent we had set we had uh, as much as possible all the elements of drama are there the only difference is that the actor is reading and we try to make the the reading material as a part of the performance so i don't know the complete extent of uh, the three forms that you mentioned from from my limited knowledge i understand they are sit down reading formats uh, mostly mm. but from what we are trying to do is add an element of movement uh, and exploration of space in our reading format as far as possible mm-hmm. and, and try and we try to develop a space that will incorporate these uh, elements as far as possible in our limited means in the simplistic means that we can perform in a three dimensional space we will try to go as as close to a play as possible mm-hmm. and this uh, happens across as in like this format is practiced anywhere around the globe well i think germany does i think uh, so one very necessary important uh, element of our readings is music also we usually have an accompaniment in some form who does live music while the storytelling happens while the narration happens i think there are elements like this in various other forms even in india but i am not an expert to kind of comment how many forms exist but i do think there are and i i know as a matter of fact uh, ramu sir has mentioned how this is a very interesting format in uh, in poland and krakow and in germany there are various forms in which uh, uh, people assemble and it's a very important sacred kind of space where people come together and listen to a reading being performed well i'll just add to that actually uh, you know my journey in theater is very short started with readings in the shed nikhil's been there much longer he's done stuff before that and for me uh, when he when we first started discussing this it took a while for me to wrap my head around it you know it took a while for me to understand where he was coming from uh, but i have seen him design uh, you know he 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 does the visualization he does the designing of the performances and truly i mean i haven't seen stuff like this much i mean like he said i'm sure there is and i'm sure there's different stuff and there's you know other kinds of things but i've been very intrigued by the way he designs it because i've learned a lot from watching mm-hmm. that and from being a part of it you know so for instance i had never thought about something which we we do a lot is we use for backdrops we use slide shows you know so we use oh. slides to create texture in the text you know because what that does is it helps us to work with minimal spaces because you don't need huge spaces to have a slide show you know mm-hmm. as long as you have a blank wall behind you you can create a palace you can create a you know a sprawling forest you can create anything you know mm-hmm. so i think that's something which uh, which has worked very well and with set we've tried to keep it very meaningful you know so it's always like we've not just i mean we've gone to the extent where the stuff may not be like my first thing was like but the audience can't even see it why does it matter you know but then i i understood with my interactions with nikhil i understood that it did matter in the vibe that we are creating for the performer as well you know so say if we are putting a book there you know i mean we've done things like wrapped you know got the book which would be relevant to that period so if the performance is based in the 1930s was this title even published then if it wasn't we can't have it on stage it doesn't matter that the audience won't even see it but it does matter to the meaning that we are trying to bring so you know these small things are what uh, we we uh, i think lends itself to performance and using light and music i think the number of times the audience has walked away from like you know f- uh, with the f- sense of music in them you know the number of people who've come and told us that oh the music just added to the charm and uh, i think that's again you know i don't understand it as well as uh, nikhil does so he's worked closely with the music uh, you know with the composer with the artist who's bringing the music element and together you know uh, they've come up with soundscapes and sound schemes for different parts of the text which i think has been so important in adding that fourth dimension 
you know, to mm-hmm. a performance, which is not something which is associated with reading. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think that's crucial. Yeah, it, it must be quite an experience. I've Unfortunately, I've never witnessed like a live one, but I'm really looking forward to. We are uh, really looking forward to doing a live one, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, with yeah. all that's going around, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll we'll chat about this after the episode definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned about um, as in this was like one of the lines in your website. Uh, text travels. Uh, I wanted to uh, like actually first compliment the the details that you have put in. It actually reminded me of uh, we have a quote like devil design is in the details. We say God is also in the details. So it may or may not be like explicitly shown that this is what we are doing, but it's, yeah, I can connect like a lot of things there, but uh-huh. so you mentioned about text travel. So I wanted to understand what do you mean by that? In a sense, with this modern day and age, when everything is available online, you like do some preliminary research or read some Wikipedia pages and get to the crux of it. Not even crux, but whatever, like just enough to talk about it. And then I was again asking Ramo sir that I want to pick up one person and just study in detail. How about Kabir? And he said, okay, then like there's nothing online. You just have to go to Uttar Pradesh and walk every street and corner. So like, what do you mean when you say text travels uh, in the the digital age and pre-digital era also? If you can give some examples or help me understand where you're coming from. You know, uh... I think when we say text travels, um, one of the things to understand is that text can originate anywhere. It could originate, like you said, in a little village in UP. It could originate somewhere in the far-flung, you know, in Japan, uh, uh, on the desk of Haruki Murakami. Or, you know, it could originate here in Bombay in in a building next to mine. But any text travels because for it to have importance and for it to have meaning, it needs to reach a reader. It needs to reach readers. And one thing is that the text has to travel to the reader, you know, for it to become something. Otherwise, it, it's, it's, just, it's just words on a page, you know. So the first thing for me is that how does text travel? Like I have consumed so much text, so many words in the years, uh, in all the years, you know, that I've been reading. And, uh, you know, when you're reading, you're always thinking, where did it start from? You know, which which part of the world did it start from? And it has come to me. So that is one aspect of mine, of what I understand what text travels mean. Nikhil, you want to add to that? Okay, that one of the things why we started is, of course, text travels comes from a space that text, wherever it originates from, it will travel to you in some way or the other. And also you travel with the text. So essentially the way we kind of designed it in the beginning, at least that was a very ambitious exercise, was to do a chapter every month, which was from a different part of the world. So mm. we started the first chapter with Chile. And then we got uh, Ramu sir to do a chapter from Krakow, Poland. Then we went to UK. Then we went to uh, Argentina. Then we went to basically as far as possible. If you can't go to the space, allow the text to come here so that you can experience the space and place in some way. Because not everybody is privileged to get into a plane and reach the space. (laughs) But a text in its own right is a traveling experience because it has traveled from somewhere and it has reached us. And it gives us the permission to travel with it to another space. So it was an ambitious exercise. I don't know when, if at all, in our lifetime, we'll ever be, we'll be able to complete the entire journey with this text. Because within this particular realm also, we found that we are inept to find so many texts, to to decipher so many texts, to find translations of these texts. Uh, it It is an incredible exercise to just see texts coming from different parts of the world and arrive here and very funnily make meaning with someone here. Mm. Someone here who has not experienced that life, someone who has not been able to engage with that part of the world, doesn't even know the laws, bylaws, this, that and the other, but something happens. Yeah, And they laugh and they cry. I don't know what happens. So basically, the uh, so we got these, like I was saying, we got these, uh, you know, German short stories which had been translated into English, Hindi and Marathi. Uh, 
and we performed them in Bombay. Now we had never done anything except English before that. And we were like, what kind of audience is going to be here? You know, it was such a big experiment for us because is it going to be an audience which wants English stories, which wants Hindi? What if there are people who don't understand a particular language clearly enough, you know? But we said, let's just go with it and let's see what happens. It was so strange. I remember, Nikhil, one person, there was this young girl in the audience and after the performance, she came and she told us that the story which she most enjoyed was the Marathi story. Uh, despite the fact that she didn't know any Marathi at all. But the story is still connected with her because of the way it was performed and something about the text. So maybe she knew like a spattering of Marathi just, you know, of living in Bombay and a few words. But it was the story she most connected with. I think for me, that's a big example of how, uh, you know, text can travel across boundaries. You don't need passports, visas, nothing. <laughs> you just need to have a willing ear and uh, acceptance for what is being said and just absorb it and it makes sense so uh, that was such a, a incredible thing to hear uh, when mm-hmm. she said that so yeah brilliant just to add one more thing yeah please this is also a very selfish exercise by both of us because mm-hmm. uh, we both get to be pilots you know mm-hmm. in this in this fun journey well put because yeah, so essentially anything that goes to the stage goes through a bunch of readings that we do together. And it's a meaningful exercise because we get to know so much. I remember in Fountain Translation, Keda, there was a point in which we were well, reading sorry, German. Sorry to interrupt. Was this by Jayashri Zoshi? Yeah, so essentially it's at Goite Institute, which is uh, at the library. And the center is run by Jayashri Ma'am. Okay, because yeah. I've interviewed her long time back and I thought she yeah. must, because she's like pro at German, Marathi, Hindi. So I thought exactly. she must have been. She guided uh, us a lot with this one. Exactly. In fact, this set of stories which we've gotten together is some of them were because Jayashree Ma'am suggested, especially right. authors like Herta Muller, which we essentially were not exposed to at that particular point of time. But we found some. So I was just getting to the point that we were reading it together. And somewhere down the line, a Romanian village kind of came into question. And I suddenly uh, looked up at Himali and said, you know, for this longest time, I was reading this text and I didn't even realize this was a German text. You know, this village ka naam here is suddenly making me realize that this is another text from another space. Otherwise, I was for the longest time thinking this is somewhere here only. This is in my neighborhood. I know this person, you know. Mm. That's the remarkable nature of that text to make it sound like it is our neighborhood, you know. Of course, full marks to the translator here who wrote such a beautiful translation that we couldn't decipher which part of the world it originated. The text traveled pretty well there. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know, when we were reading it that it was, uh, it started in Germany or whatever. You know, it just, it didn't, matter because it, it made sense to us here uh, mm. sitting in Bombay so yeah. I, I don't remember the word exactly but Jayashri ma'am spoke about not just translator but transculturator something yeah. I don't remember the name but yeah it builds the context of the current culture in after consuming that particular thing yeah okay let's take a short break here we'll be right back Okay, welcome back to the show. Yeah, and wanted to add one more thing to this uh, because last two weeks ago, I interviewed Ganesh Devi and we spoke about uh, Praman Bhasha, what is language, what is a dialect. And he nicely put it saying that there are two, three definitions. The one which I look up to or I follow is that it's a means of communication. So there might be linguists who can say that this is the grammar, this is the syntax, and this is all the the mathematics behind or the science behind it. But I look at it as a means of communication. So I can pick a lot of things which you guys are telling right now and, and fit it there that how beautiful the journey must have been. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You also have been saying that we choose text which is making or which bring relevance to today's India or at least the audience or at least bring some relevance. So like 
or or for that matter when you said that uh, i was not knowing that this is in german and then understanding their context and then again mapping it or making it relevant today so how does that happen and uh, do the type of guest dictate that and and, and generally how do these dynamics work uh, i mean you have a script or you have a uh, have a theme to narrate or have a book now you go and identify a guest or like what precedes what in the flow if that makes sense <laughs> so i would like to answer this question and i would actually i would like mali to answer this question in the form of a case study uh, of how we approached a specific day which was the uh, day of the world refugee day and the entire research process that went around it we actually looked up an article on patricio galvez if i am correct you know yeah. and can you just elaborate on how you went about the research and what we did so, with the thing okay sure so uh, kedar you know each text is different how we treat it is different how we go about the research is different so for instance the uh, the, the case that uh, nikhil is talking about patricio galvez who was from uh, Den- denmark was it nikhil or a uh, sweden a, a sweden. sweden he was from sweden and we came across his story through a wall street journal article you know written by a wall street journalist who's based in the uh, middle east and she had written about patricia's story which was about how she was uh, how she was trying to you know how he was trying to get his grandchildren back from syria his grandchildren who had been born to his daughter who had run away from the country and who had you know uh, joined the isis in syria and all of that but leaving the story specific aside we wrote to her and we sought permission to use her article as the basis of creating a performative text so using all the information that she had gathered and put in her article we wanted to make it into a performative script and present it to our audience and she was game for it she said sure go ahead she was you know kind enough to let us use her article for this and we created a script about patricio where patricio became a character the people around him became you know sort of sounds and voices and all of that in his life and it was him telling his story that was the shape it took we took it one step further and when it was done we wrote back to her and we said you know we performed this and it was we just want to thank you and it was received very well by the audiences and she wrote back saying i remember when i read that email call nikhil had like you know my hair was standing on uh, standing up it was so the thing because we wrote back to her and she wrote back within 5 minutes and she said you know i'm so happy to tell you that uh, patricio managed to get his children back and as i'm writing to you he and the kids are flying back to sweden from syria and for us that was such a beautiful end to a story which had started in a very despondent way because it was a grandfather looking to get his children back you know so sometimes some of the stories emerge in this fashion we've had done a birthday story by haruki murakami where we sought his wanted his permission to perform his story so once we kind of narrowed down we figured out okay which are the stories which are in the public domain which are the ones which we need permission for how do we go about getting that permission to read that text you know um mm-hmm. so we wrote to his agent who's in america and his agent in america gave us the permission to read uh, murakami story to an audience at the ncpa uh, which we did in 2019 april along with some stories which were written just for us so some of our uh, you know uh, well wishers and friends who are very good you know writers like ramu sir and renu balakrishnan who's also been like a guide and mentor for us and uh, sapan also from theater so three of them uh, wrote stories especially for us to perform so sometimes that's the way the text comes out once we decided on the text mutually between us that okay these are the text these are the stories that we want to tell on this particular day nikhil you want to talk about how you go about figuring out who will perform these stories so essentially once the text is prepared uh 
after that we start designing it we don't spend too much time kedal there's a certain element of spontaneity we try to look for mm. essentially all our performances more or less have been rehearsed only for 3 days 3 to 4 days maximum and we look up to our friends who essentially from theater and every month when we have performed we have performed with different theater artists who been very gracious to give us uh, their time and we look at people who will kind of support the text we've had yuki elias perform stories from pakistan we've had uh, asif ali beg who has been a regular collaborator with us and he's done a very fantastic kind of interesting exercise where he performed an entire letter by franz kafka to his father essentially that letter was 115 pages long himali treated it and got it down to size where we could perform it within an hour and asif solo performed this at goitin street maximum bhavan over 1 hour 15 minutes so each reading has its own character has its own shape has its own form i can't tell you a generic way of how every reading can be done because essentially they are so different hmm. when ramu ramanathan had performed the uh, the polish poetry which was from krakow i must say that first of all it was the most seamless exercise because we were like taking take us new taking us news by ramu did uh, all the work <laughs> so that was a great experience and it was one of our few sit down readings because we needed a lot of context where are these people coming from hmm. you know we don't know much i didn't know so much about prakao we sat down and we read some of mislavas in boska and we read a little bit of uh, uh, the other poets that ramu sir introduced to us and then we kind of yeah, got some context but that was a very different kind of reading the readings which we've done for poetry are very different the ones which we've done for a graphic novel we performed a graphic novel now how do you treat a graphic novel it's so visual and so loud with color sometimes mm. that you have to treat uh, it in a certain way so we've got uh, we got actually some of the graphics made and projected them on the screen while the artists were performing so if a boom or a power or a crow came so there was a boom on the screen and the actor was going somewhere like that so essentially all of them are very different i wish we could just name every artist that we worked with you know but yeah. uh, it would become a very long podcast <laughs> we need <laughs> another podcast <laughs> i mean i think it's just been amazing how supportive you know people can be to an exercise uh, which in sometimes like nikhil says feels almost self indulgent you know because we are getting to do what we really like which is read and read and read and mm. uh, fortunate enough to have the kind of friends and they obviously they found some meaning in what we've done and they've been happy to come back a second time and a third time and work with us so mm. you know that's great i think it just goes to show that you know there are enough people out there who want to be creatively challenged for the heck of it and for <laughs> the fun of it and it brings something to their daily life you know mm-hmm. or or to add to the brilliant work that they are already doing so that's so uh, gratifying you know it, it pushes you to uh, come up like it's like okay i can't just you know we just can't come up with anything and say hey guys here's the text let's do this can't be as blase about it you know so mm-hmm. we do try and make sure that the text that we are presenting to the artists who deemed to work with us that it is uh, polished to the extent where it feels like yes this is good stuff i want to read this you know mm. in fact i want to sorry sorry to interrupt yeah, there no, no, uh, and i've i've done that multiple times with especially with the creative side of people that where at what point in time do you know that this is polished enough everything which encapsulates the essence so so as as uh, nikhil mentioned that uh, the 115 pages you shortened it you fear losing out on lot of things also so how do you manage that and and typically in as in again my understanding in artistic pursuits you you go in sort of negative there are two ways right one is you just keep removing till you reach the abstract form or then you just keep adding till because everything is the same everything is just beautiful so so you just keep adding layers so i think what helps is that both of us are writers you know so i think somewhere we understand that writing can be indulgent but presenting cannot be you know 
So mm-hmm. I may want to write 500 pages about how beautiful a flower is, but the person reading it may not want to read 500 pages on how beautiful a flower is. So when we finalize a text, we also discuss the angle that we want to take. We decide, okay, this this may be this big, it may be huge, but the angle we are taking is acute. The angle we are mm-hmm. approaching it has a definite endpoint to it. So, what is that endpoint that we are aiming for, and how do we arrive at that? That is our discussion, and then on basis of that, I mean, it's it's all very nice of him to say Himali brought it down to that, but it happens after a lot of discussion, you know, and having that confidence that we will know what to leave out and what to keep. I'm also an editor, so I have great fun in editing people's work. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily edit my own work, but I enjoy editing other people's work. And I, I know I've told him sometimes, you know, like I remember when we were working on the Franz Kafka piece, or even Chimamanda's, uh, uh, Chimamanda Adichie's story, or even Murakami's birthday story. I, I remember saying, I can't believe I'm editing people <laughs> like Murakami and all. It's like the dream come true, yeah. Like no, ye ye words nikalo. So it's it's no. I mean, like jokes apart, it's it's really about knowing where you're headed, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't have the time to take a detour. If you're headed there, you better just straight go there because if you try to take a detour, the audience is going to be lost, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You want to make sure they reach the end with you. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you were saying. One thing I'd like to add that. Uh, Give a writer a lot of time, no? Then all these questions happen. You know, I feel mm-hmm. personally, give a writer a few a year to do a job, and he might take ten. You know, like in that sense. But give them a nice little deadline in a month, and they better do their job on time. It 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 works. I feel the pressure works. Uh, essentially, you got to clock the hours. It's a manual labor of job in that sense. Mm-hmm. Got to go and do and clock the hours and finish the work. And here in reading the shed. one of the principles that we have is we have given ourselves the permission to fail the permission to fail is a very incessant good quality to have personally in a theatrical journey because i remember one very beautiful article that vijay tendulkar wrote in the preface of the six plays that he had written he says when you enter theater your backside will burn you know so might as well just accept that it will burn and go on with the journey hmm. you have to create and there is no particular point of time when you can be sure you've created a masterful piece of art and for readings it's a journey for us the actors the performers the sound engineers the technicians to really explore their craft so to really explore the craft in that particular moment in those 3 days where everything you either fail or you do something it usually turns something comes out of it i feel i've always seen something good comes out of it in that journey sorry i was i was just saying also feedback you know so one one is when we are developing the text we are both giving feedback to each other as to what's working what's not working and quite brutally that is the first thing second we are also very open and very hopeful of feedback from our uh, artists you know from the performers so when we do the first rehearsal and we do a first read and they you know we hand them the scripts that we prepared and they read it out we one are tuned into what is not sounding right to the ears and open to changing that instantly on the spot or before the second uh, rehearsal and we are also very open to guys what is it that's not working for you and what is it that you would like us to change you know so i think that's something which we which has helped us to stay on track as you say yeah superb superb i have actually last uh two questions and this is just to conclude uh, this particular thing uh, this particular podcast but yeah as as you say text travels and we'll connect back very soon but uh, just two things uh, which i wanted to ask was one is yes it's a very research heavy time consuming project but with the new availability of text easily available there is a chance that a very enthusiastic but like probably less informed or not well researched person might execute this and then there is a chance of you actually documenting something which you perceived is what that person is saying so there is always that lost in translation wala bit where you you transfer something different to the next generation 
how do you not do that or how do you any any tips uh for like a person who want to indulge in similar format uh any any guardrails to be aware of it from what i understand uh, kidar you're saying that a text written by an authorial authoritarian intention mm. something gets lost in interpretation am i correct yes, yes. in deciphering yes now personally there is a kind of a philosophical space to kind of answer that question just to think about about it from the point of view of how does a text be received you know instead of how was what was the authoritarian intention uh, essentially there's a very beautiful article which actually has the title which is saying author is dead saying hmm. that the author basically doesn't even exist after he has written the text essentially it's the reader and if the reader doesn't engage and the intelligence doesn't engage with the text what is the text for it won't even make meaning and sense in that particular sense until the intelligence of the reader doesn't meet the text so essentially in that translation or in that interpretation actually what is found is much more important mm. what is found in that because in that finding comes context it comes religious socio political economical status all of it kind of is the interpretation of the text the text in itself with the authorial intention is only one thing but with its interpretations it has multiple meanings and meaningful content will travel in the sense it will mean something whether it be written 400 years ago as shakespeare wrote and still is meaning something to so many people in these circumstances we are still watching it we are still living it it's a very very kind of meaningful exercise if one sees just from the kantian perspective the third critique which is which kant wrote is the critique of judgment where the judgment is from the readers point of view where the judgment is from the from the person of how we receive a certain piece of text or how we receive something which per se is way more valuable than genius hmm. the value given to genius at some points of time over exceeds uh, what the value is given to the reader just to make intelligent meaning out of a certain kind of exercise hmm. himali if you want to add something No, no in, yeah, yeah. In fact, I was uh, I interviewed Ashish Avikuntak, and he said something similar. Where his films are way too abstract, and I'm saying what I mean. Lot of people give like WTF after watching his film, and uh, he said that's fine. But the films are designed or are or conceptualized in a way to observe what is happening to you while watching the film, and it is not about the film actually. so exactly. so it's it's a brilliant uh, way to put it and and i can understand what you are also saying now <laughs> yeah i hope i said something <laughs> yes yes obviously yeah <laughs> yeah but it's kind of tricky at this stage of my uh, life to so i i like in fact i judge myself let like, am i understanding this text correctly or am am i and it's fine there's no judgment there but still it happens right is this what the really the person wanted to say और मैं थोड़ा सा इंटेलेक्चुअल ट्रिप कर रहा हूँ क्या कर रहा हूँ इट्स इट्स या कूल एंड दिस लास्ट वन इज इज द मोर ऑफ अ हाइजीन क्वेश्चन व्हाट नेक्स्ट व्हाट व्हाट द प्लान व्हाट व्हाट आर द फ्यूचर हाउ डज द फ्यूचर लुक लाइक फॉर रीडिंग्स इन द शेड एनी अपकमिंग like various people in in the world we were in the midst of pandemic we were doing a performance a month and suddenly we realized we can't do that anymore so mm. all live spaces are still wiped out ncpa so we had majorly a lot of collaborations going for us we had ncpa as collaborator we have goethe institute maximilian bhavan who has collaborated we have collaborated with polish institute new delhi uh and of course we started a course uh, with wilson college uh, where we kind of uh, Made a course around uh, bachelor's of vocational training, theatre and stage craft. So we have a course over there. So a lot of things started working out for us. But essentially, what happened is performative spaces shut down. At that point of time, we were like, "Oh God, now we can't perform. There is no stage. What do we do?" And for two months, silence. We are looking on Instagram channels, <laughs> like wasting our time. And then I think one day we decided on a whim that we will make a film. Okay. Uh, I remember. I just. I think we just had. We were just having, having a conversation, Himali and me, and we were saying, "Now what?" You know. It was for It's our like birthday. A, It was for the second yeah. birthday of readings, and we were like, "What are we going to perform this year, man? There's no, no stage." 
where are we going to do the birthday <laughs> so yeah so and we had a full plan for the birthday because again we had gone back to our mentor uh, ramu sir and he was like devising something we'll say we'll chill uh, he'll do all the work <laughs> and, and then there was no stage there was nothing available uh, in that point of time we said chalo now nothing doing we have to do something otherwise uh, this will be like readings in the bed instead of reading in the shed because we were we were not getting out of bed <laughs> so we started making films uh, kedar and we made short films and uh, we made about 8 to 10 short films for goyte institute maxpula bhavan very grateful that they have supported us all through our entire journey and they gave us the opportunity to explore the space where we converted uh, again about 7 to 8 very interesting texts uh, into short films Uh, some of them are available all of them are available uh, in on on goyth institute's uh, channel it's called blobs uh, uh, the idea came because himali came up with the idea hey this these don't look like films these don't look like uh, like uh, you know cinema they are basically the back side of a book it's a blurb it's just an introduction into the the space that is going through mm. so that what we kind of latched on to has given us and a first step into something which we never intended to do so explore the medium of telling stories through the screen and we've we've gotten interesting opportunities in fact the last year the only performance that we did live was on 14 february 2021 where ncp opened briefly for a while we performed letters of love and it shut down now mm. that was the only performance we did and coincidently that point of time we had uh, a cinematographer who had shot the entire thing and then we said we sent it to, uh, to an international theater festival and it got screened at the theater festival uh, in cleveland uh, in in uh, in america hmm. and there again the text traveled i don't know how it traveled under yeah, this, this at a time when i have not traveled you know 5 kilometers beyond my house yeah <laughs> so, letters of love has like made it across many countries and oceans and reached wherever and uh, we are like stuck you know we can't even go to the nearest coffee shop so, in fact yeah the first three tickets that we sold one was from australia one was from uk and one was from america i was like three countries are watching <laughs> our play you know initially it used to be malabar hill people who used to watch it so it was interesting as a scenario kedar that we suddenly were put in a position where we had no opportunity but to explore a medium to tell stories mm-hmm. uh, and we found beautiful insight into this medium and then we kind of collaborated with some of our friends in the uk to pitch for a project for the asia europe foundation and now we recently have created a film for the asia europe foundation on how is it to create work with distance involved mali and so basically what is the project is about 3 to 4 uh, artists from india and 3 to 4 artists from the uk have come together to create a film which was half shot in india half shot in the uk so there are two writers himali was one of them and one was uh, from the uk then there are two actors and so on and so forth so all of these have given us very interesting opportunities i would say it has been an interesting year for us i think overall. it's all about adaptability you know i think that's what all of us whether it's readings in the shed nikhil me or anybody we we've all just been like okay how do we continue to remain relevant at a time when everything's becoming irrelevant you know so i think just in that bit to remain relevant we've managed to adapt and found ways and i think when you when you look for ways you you find you know you find ways you know and mm. these opportunities were there maybe they were there but we never looked at them but when we didn't have a stage we said okay now how do we create a stage and that's what happened um we also recently for this birthday we launched a book which has uh, anthologies uh, which has which is an anthology of short stories by nikhil and by me um wow. because we said okay we can't bring people to tell them stories so why not send them stories <laughs> go read <laughs> so we wrote original stories um and published them into a book and that's you know that's another way right so i don't know if we would have done that if if we wouldn't have been forced to we would have continued to do what we were doing so it's a nice way to push your boundaries and say okay if not this then what you know so that's mm. that's what we've been doing for this last year and a half just finding the if nots yeah you know guess the name of the book 
uh, short readings in the shed. Well, remove the shot. <laughs> She's only reading with the shot. <laughs> so, we are very creative as far as the name is. Because trust me, the stories are better. <laughs> yeah, essentially, all, all of our chapters, whenever we performed everything, the title always is Readings in the Shed, Chapter 1. Readings in the Shed, Chapter 2. Nothing yeah, we changes went, there. We went with the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Superb, superb. Cool. I think uh, we'll wrap this one. It's been fun talking to you lot of uh, yes you want to say something please yeah I just also wanted uh, you know to talk very very quickly about this project that we've launched which we are very excited about uh, which uh, Ramu sir has helped us to mentor uh, I mean Ramu sir it's, it was his idea you know and uh, we we are just being the channel for it he felt that we needed to do stuff to highlight the expansive playwriting that is happening in this country and has been happening for the last 20 years, you know. I think somewhere uh, we, you know, we are also uh, contained within the spaces that we inhabit, right? So I know what my friends are writing. I may know what's being performed at Prithvi or NCPA or wherever I go. But there's a lot of stuff happening in other parts of the country as well. So for this first leg of this project, which is called Project 87, we've shortlisted 87 plays written in English in India from different parts of the uh, country, uh, we found some means to shortlist them. I mean, there are probably four, five hundred plays which have been written, but wow. we've narrowed it down and brought it down to 87 just because we like the sound of the number 87, no other reason. And we brought it down to 87 and uh, we launched this almost now. I think it's close to um, one and a half months that we've been doing this. Uh, we, you know, we highlight the play. We create a little art piece about the play. We post it on our social media uh, and on the social media of Project 87. We write a short summary. We write the accolades. It's, uh, you know, we, we remind people of the accolades it's received. Uh, if it is a play which has been published by any, you know, in writing, then we share that. It's a very, the goal is very simple that let us be more aware of all the brilliant, all the playwriting that mm. is happening in this country. You know, let us just be a little more aware about it. It's as simple as that. These are not plays that Nikhil, me or Ramu sir have written or are associated with. These are very simply plays which exist, you know, and which we need to know about. And so far for me, it's been an enriching journey because the research has opened my eyes to people and to the kind of writing that I had no idea was happening. So we've gone mm -hmm. all the way back to 2000. So, you know, from 2000 to 2020. I mean, it's a tremendous the kind of stuff that has been created, you know, in the minds. And hopefully, you know, somebody will notice more of these plays will be recreated you know, unearthed, or maybe people buy a book and sit together in a room and read it. You know, they'll pick up a play and they'll read it. And so many people have supported us in getting information on this. You know, factors started from Ramu sir, and then, you know, everybody from, uh, you know, QTP to Tesco to, you know, the editor, uh, the, you know, people who are associated with Hindu, all of them have, you know, when we reached out, given us information to create this list. So, yeah, that's something which I'm like, I think, you know, very proud to be a part of. Uh, uh, hopefully archiving something which will have meaning for a long, long time, you know, uh, yeah. as long as it's there. So, yeah, that's something which I wanted to share. Thank absolutely, you. absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I'm following it on Instagram and I was supposed to, I was going to mention about it and it's almost invaluable thing that you're doing because Again, a philosophical time is going to get faster and faster and things are going to be just crazy in the coming years and decades. So documenting something like this is, is invaluable. It's like it's amazing. So yeah, we should do like some one like series or something around this Project 87 in the coming time. Absolutely, Kedar, anytime. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I, you know, if it can bring, uh, we would love to showcase it and spotlight it a lot more. So I look forward awesome. to that with you, for sure. Yes, sure. Thank Let's you so connect much. on that. Cool. Once again, thanks a lot to both of you for giving time. And it was a real pleasure. 
having you. Thank you, Kedar. Thank you, thank you, Kedar, so much. Okay, thanks. That's it. Bye. Bye, bye. And that's it from today's Gyan session. For show notes and more Gyan, visit audiogyan.com. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to check our other interesting podcast on IVM Network. You can listen to us on IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or any of your favorite podcasting apps. To stay tuned, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IVM Podcast. And if you wish to connect with me, I am at Audio Gyan Moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.